Buy low episodes for fantasy basketball uh, edition number three. I'm going to give you guys five fantasy basketball players that I think are underperforming or have been underperforming recently that you might be able to get on the cheap, but I think that they're going to step it up sooner or later and give you some good value for fantasy hoops. Let's go! talking about G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And today we are doing our Buy Low show. And tomorrow or today or whenever you listen to this podcast, there will be a uh, sell high show coming out shortly. Apologies again for the lack of week seven preview podcast this week. I have been not feeling the best of the last couple of days, and week seven has is going to be a really weird week. The general lesson for week seven this week is to stream the players that are in the in-season tournament. So the Celtics, the Pacers, the Knicks, the Kings, the... Um, who am I forgetting? Uh, anyway, those, those players that are in the in-season tournament... Why can I not remember who the uh, the nut is it the Nuggets? No, who is who else? Now I'm going to lose my mind. Um, but the players who are playing the in season tournament are the ones that you want to be targeting the uh, because they have the games on the uh, New Orleans Pelicans and. Am I forgetting one other team? Yes, the Lakers, sorry, the Lakers and the Bucks as well. So those teams are the ones you want to be streaming. They will be playing two games uh, this week. Well, at least the winners of the first game will be playing two games on a low-volume week. Those teams that lose the first matchup will then play again on the Friday. So Friday is going to be jam-packed with 13 games, I believe. So you will not be able to stream on Friday. There will be 11 games on Wednesday, so you may or may not, most likely not be able to stream on the Wednesday. So it will be a really weird week, uh, um, two games for every team this week, so I didn't think it was worth sort of straining myself and my voice and everything to go through for that one uh, over the weekend, but I'm feeling a little bit better now, and hopefully I don't sound too awful for your ears to do our uh, buy low show. So again, apologies if the voice is a little bit off, but we will get stuck into it, talking about five players that we can trade for uh, because I think some of their players, uh, people who have them on their teams, might be getting a little bit frustrated. Let's start with... Um, Jalen Duran, who was one of my guys starting in the preseason, he he got off to a massive, massive start this season, and has tailed off recently. And it's an interesting one because I've seen a lot of discourse about him on Twitter and online, and people sort of a bit uh, frustrated and thinking that what he did at the start of the season was, um, you know, a bit of a mirage or something that's like a bit of an outlier. But I look at what he's done over the last five games since he's since he's been back from his injury. He had a couple of ankle injuries which kept him out a fair bit of time. But since he's been back, you know, he's played um, four games over 29 minutes, one game where he was in uh, a bunch of foul trouble, but also um, they also just got blown out that game as well. So I got benched uh, early because of that one. Um, so four, four of those five games, he played big minutes. And four of those five games, he had 12-plus rebounds. He also had a block in all but one of those games. And he shot extremely efficiently in all of those games as well, over 50% in all of them. So, 
I don't really understand why people are panicking too much. The averages make it look worse than it is because he did have that one game where he was blown out. And he also is shooting pretty poorly from the free throw line, which is dropping his averages down. So if we look at his last two weeks, he's 161st ranked player when it comes to nine category league. Uh, he is the 71st, first, 74th sorry, ranked player in Yahoo Points Leagues and 69th when it comes to minus one. And the minus one is discounting his free throw percentage. Now, he is someone that you might not have drafted in the preseason under the pretenses that he was a punt free throw player. And I don't necessarily think he's going to be a guy that you must punt free throws for you, for you to get value out of, but... He was never a player who was a strong free throw percentage shooter. In the uh, season prior, he shot 61% from the free throw line. So far this season, he's shooting 55.6%. So that's obviously down. Um, His free throw attempts is still, for the entire season, only 2.1 attempts per game. The last two weeks, it is up to three attempts per game, and he's shooting 40% from the free throw line. So significant decrease in the last two weeks, and in the last week, he's averaging 27% from the free throw line. So really, really poor numbers recently. But we know with percentages and things like that over the course of the season, there's going to be highs and lows. And right now, we are very much in the lows. But there's no reason to think that he's going to be... um, Well, there's not a a huge concern for me that he's going to be someone who's below 60% for the season. We are in a very small sample size right now of some really poor nights at the free throw line. But he has had two games in his last three that were zero free throw attempts. Um, And we also had two games where he's below 50%. But then we also look at the game that he... Uh, put up when he returned, had four free throw attempts, made three of them, missed one. So I don't think he's a guy like a Steven Adams or a Giannis Antetokounmpo who's going to absolutely sink your free throw percentage guaranteed every week. But he is someone who is going to generally be a, a bit of a negative from that point of view. So if you are a manager or a team in your fantasy league that is punting free throws, his value, I do believe, is going to be elevated for your team. So if uh, Duran is on a team where they are not punting free throws and that is really hurting them and frustrating them, I think you can definitely go and acquire him for very cheap and you can get the insane value that he is putting up because he is someone that I still believe in uh, basically being a top 60 minus one um, category league player, a top 60 points league player as well. But uh, the rest of it's really fine. I mean, 11.6 points, 11.6 rebounds, two assists per game, 1.8 blocks over the last two weeks. Um, the blocks are higher than what I projected them to be, so I don't know if he's going to reach 1.8. His 1.4 on the season seems closer to what I expect, and even that might be a little bit high, but 1.2, 1.3 blocks per game, uh, I think is fine. Uh, in the preseason, I compared him to someone like a Jarrett Allen, and I think the thing that separates Jarrett Allen with a Jalen Duran is simply the free throw percentage shooting. Otherwise, I think they're very similar. I also think that Jalen Duran can probably pass a little bit better than a Jarrett Allen can and can maybe average more assists. The free throw percentage will not be as good, and the turnovers will be a little bit higher because he's a younger player. You know, trying some things out, and Detroit's experimenting, and obviously there's a lot of concerns about their lineups, but Duran has been one of the, you know, he and Cade have been the two guys that have been rock solid and Isaiah Stewart somehow, freaking hell, hopefully that changes, but um, those two are the players that I believe should be the ones that um, 
remain consistent. And I do believe if people are panicking because of his ranking, because of, you know, outsized expectations on what he did at the start of the season uh, versus now what he's doing at the moment, I think that you can acquire him. But I do still believe he's a top 60 player and minus one. In a nine-category ranking, he may be closer to something like the 80th best player with the free throw percentage and maybe turnovers weighing him down a little bit. But I still think he's going to be a very valuable player, and I still think you can get him uh, fairly cheaply because he has missed time with ankle issues. He also is hurting people from the free throw line that maybe they didn't expect him to. Let's talk about... The next guy who is a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a funky one, but let's talk Asar Thompson because I still believe he is a buy low. He has obviously been horrible right now and has moved to the bench after that insane decision, which has lasted the last two games to move him to the bench. Um, but what I will also add on to, on top of him moving to the bench, in the last two games, he has had five fouls in both of those games, limiting him to 13 minutes and 16 minutes in those previous two games. So... People who have Asar Thompson on their fantasy roster might be absolutely panicking right now, and people might be tempted to drop him even. And after what we saw at the start of the season, and as a starter, he is someone that I still believe in very, very highly. I still think that he is someone that you want on your fantasy roster, and especially when it comes down to fantasy playoffs, can be a game changer. He is the 109th ranked player on the season. Obviously, that has been affected by the last couple of uh, games, which has really tanked his uh, um, numbers down. But in the last two weeks, 202nd in nine categories, 170th in Yahoo points, and 174. So he was sort of slowing down before that. The you know defensive stats were starting to slow down, but again, small... Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, small sample size and also low volume stats can fluctuate fairly aggressively on a week-to-week basis. He is someone that I think, despite the horrendous decision from the coaching staff and the just stupidity that seems to be going on over in Detroit, I have to think that talent wins out. Anyone who had eyeballs can see what Asar Thompson possesses on the defensive end of the court. He is also someone that, whilst not being a floor spacer, I don't believe him to be a really supreme negative on the offensive side of the court. I don't believe he should be viewed as someone like a Matisse Thibault or something like that. He's an excellent cutter. He is someone who is a willing shooter as well. He is someone that can get offensive rebounds and putbacks and things like that. He's a lob threat. I still believe he's a good player to have out there on the offensive side of the floor. Maybe you want more spacing, but I just fully believe that should come from Isaiah Stewart. I think that it's easier for me to see him come back into the good graces than someone like a Jaden Ivey, who seemed to be in the bad books uh, earlier in the year. He's been in and out of the starting lineup. I believe that long-term for the majority of the season, we're going to see higher value in someone like an Isaiah Asar Thompson compared to a Jaden Ivey. And all this said... There is still a concern, obviously. There is still a massive red flag that maybe this takes a long time to fix itself. There was those comments that if Boyan was healthy, he never would have started. He never won, quote-unquote, the starting uh, jo- uh, job in the preseason because Boyan wasn't healthy. So there are definitely concerns. I am still willing to bet on the talent of Asar Thompson, and obviously the direction of the Detroit Pistons is not something that they need to be just putting on putting these top five picks on the bench just to secure like one win in December. I believe that that line of thinking will eventually prevail, but it will be extremely frustrating. So when I put him in this buy low show, this buy low show here, it means buy very low. Send your last 
two picks out or last two bottom two players out to see if you can get Asar Thompson. Send someone who you could really do without and, you know, uh, you know your last player and try and get Asar Thompson because I think that this will be something that you can require patience. This week is going to be a low-volume week, and you maybe you're not going to use him this week, but it is the kind of week that you can maybe be patient and sort of stash him on your bench and just wait for the dust to settle a little bit. Like I said, five personal fouls in the last two games coming off the bench. So who's to say that he wasn't going to be playing 22, 23 minutes a night? And with his steal rate and block rate and rebound rate, it won't be super useful, but it won't be the extreme negative that he's been in the last couple of games. So I think he still will have some utility, even off the bench in a low 20s minutes role. And if he gets back up into those minutes in the 30s, like he was doing earlier in the season, like we saw, he can be a top 60, top 70 player. And I still believe that that is extremely useful. And we know that rookies do get better as the season progresses, not the other way around in the rookie wall uh, scenario that some people might have you believe. So I think you can get him low, but by very low. Low or on the flip side, if he's dropped, I would 100% immediately go and add him. Let's talk about the next guy who is DeMontis Sabonis. And he is, I can personally attest to, been very frustrating, especially the last week. But in the last two weeks, he's the 115th ranked player when it comes to nine category rankings. The 37th ranked player in Yahoo points leagues and 79th ranked player in minus one settings. And the biggest thing for him in the last two weeks is the fact that he cannot hit a shot. Um, In the last two weeks, he is someone who, um, well, in the last week especially, he's averaging 32.4% from the field. 32.4% in the last three games. You expand that over to the last seven games, and it's up at 51%. So right before this absolute terrible stretch, he was actually doing extremely well, highlighted by that game uh, against Dallas Mavericks where he shot 87% from the field. That was obviously one of the best games he's had this season. But immediately after that, he's gone 10 and 10. He went 23 and 9 in a big game then, but after that, 46%, 29%, 25%, uh, and 39%. So, The field goal percentage has been absolutely drained on his value the last couple of weeks for a guy that you expect to be a big plus for you in that category. Um, And that has led his points to come down. He's also shooting much worse from the free throw line than I think some people might have expected. 65% from the free throw line this season after shooting closer to 75% last season. So... To me, he was always a bit of a punt free throw guy, hence why I drafted him on my punt free throw team with Giannis. But he wasn't always viewed by, as that by other people around the uh, industry. And and 74% usually you can live with. 64% on the volume that he's shooting is much harder to live with. So definitely suits more to the points leagues and punt free throw kind of teams. But even still, the value that he's putting up these last weeks with both percentages being really poor um, is just not sustainable. He's going to be better than that, and he is going to be someone that, simply put, he's in a cold stretch right now. A um, couple of big games with big minutes. He, you know, Fatigue might be a factor and things like that. Uh, Jared Fox has been going off as well, so they've been leaning a bit more on his uh, usage. I do think that comes back up for uh, Sabonis. One thing about Sabonis, though, is I do think he's, and I've said this before, I think he's a little bit of an overrated player when it comes to overall uh, NBA value. But we've got a huge sample size of him being a 60 or at least a high 50s percentage guy for field goal percentage. Maybe he doesn't quite get back up to 62% from the field. Um, with that being said, he's shooting 57% for the season, even with this previous stretch of shooting under 40% for the last week and a bit. So uh, I do believe that that will correct itself uh, pretty quickly. And he is just a really 
you know, I think I'd be pretty happy and pretty confident to throw a top 50, top 40 player uh, if you if he gives what you provide. And I think he'll be pretty much back where we expected to with maybe the free throw percentage a little bit lower than uh, last season's. Let's talk about the next guy here, and it is Onyeka Okongwu. Much like Asar Thompson, people are getting very frustrated. Now, I will say about Onyeka Okongwu, we're talking uh, by lows. Onyeka Okongwu is not a buy low player for points leagues. Let's just clear that up right now. This is strictly a category league player that you can buy low. For points leagues, I do think it can get better, but it's not worth trading for, I don't think. In a category league, it is worth trading for because he has very, very high upside. At the moment, the biggest thing that is getting my, you know, perking my ears up and, uh, you know, I'm getting a little bit excited about the last two games, 28 minutes, 27 minutes. Now, in those games, he did nothing. He was bad, right? 11 points, 8 rebounds, no other stats uh, except for a 3. Last game, 5 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, no other stats. But... It's the minutes. The minutes are the big thing. And we know we've seen him put up big stats in big minutes before. And he might be a sneaky winner of the Jalen Johnson injury, who is going to be out still for another probably five weeks or so. Onyeka Kongu, we've talked about him being a guy that can be back-end value even in 23, 24 minutes a night, and he has done that. He is someone over the season who ranks 116th when it comes to um, nine category rankings. 116th is nothing to be sneezed at. It is floated a little bit by high turnovers, but perfect, uh, sorry, 85% from the free throw line, 57% from the field. He's given you six and a half rebounds, 0.8 blocks, um, you know, the 8.8 points per game is not great, but it's just it's just not hurting you from anywhere except for, you know, the low threes. The assists aren't really there either. So he is someone that, for that reason, is suited more to category leagues. But if he gets those minutes up, and the season average, that's on 23 minutes. If he's going to start averaging 27, 28 minutes, and he's playing a little bit next to Capella as well, well, then this guy's top 70, top 65 is it within reach. And again, we've always got the scenario that later in the season, if they do trade a Clint Capella, that he is going to absolutely explode and put up potentially top 50, top 40 numbers on the season. And if you get him now and you haven't had to deal with him for the last, what has it been? Uh, two months nearly, no, last month and a half. Well, then you're just getting him at a point that's closer to that potential upside being realized. You, if you're trading him into your team, you're only going to have to put up with him for a shorter period of time to what the person who has been putting up with him for a little bit of time. You know, mind you, they probably drafted him not too far away from what he's producing right now, but it's always about the upside for Okongu and the production hasn't come, but there are indicators to suggest that that upside is right around the corner. And I think that if you can have a little bit of patience, understand he is not going to be a big scorer, but he is going to rebound. He's going to get blocks. I do believe the blocks are going to come. He's going to get great field goal percentage, good free throw percentage. He's not going to turn the ball over. He can hit some threes. He can assist and get some steals a little bit as a big man. He's just an all-round great fantasy player for category league, so I believe he is a buy low. And again, like Asad Thompson, if he is dropped in a category league, I am immediately adding him and seeing what happens. And even in a points league, I'd probably just add him if I've got some dead weight just to see if these minutes are real. Because in 27 minutes a night, Ayaka Kongu can be a top, maybe 120, top 110 guy. Doesn't have the upside in a, in a points league as he does in a category league. But 
in, in 27, 28 minutes, it's a useful guy. I'm not dropping anything I'd really, really miss, but I, I, if I got some dead weight, I'll add some. I'll add him and see where it goes. Oh, I'm getting through it, guys. I'm getting through it. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, hopefully, I don't sound too poor on the mic here. Uh, but the last guy here, again, I'm following a bit of a theme of guys that might be available on waivers today, but Scoot Henderson is a player that I think is a buy low. Again, this player is someone that, from the start, we need to be patient with. Now, he has been more of the case than I expected this season. The injury didn't help at all. Obviously, he missed a chunk of time because of the ankle injury. But there are signs. He is coming off the bench at the moment. Again, not something I thought we'd see too much of. But look, it's probably what was needed for a player like Scoot. And I have seen signs of it improving. Last game, 17 points in 21 minutes. Uh, The game before that was bad, but he did have seven assists, but only uh, two of eight, uh, sorry, one of eight from the field. But prior to that, 13 points, two threes. Game before that, 13 points, three threes, 50% from the field. There are signs. He is a guy that uh, his fantasy game was never the cleanest translation over to nine category uh, scoring. But in a points league, he has really supreme upside, top 60 upside, I believe, in a points league in the second half of the season. In a category league, he will fit certain builds a little bit better. He probably will have high turnovers for the rest of the season. His field goal percentage will be poor, I think, for the rest of the season. It won't be as poor as, as it's been. So for the season, Scoot Henderson is averaging a putrid 34% from the field. I expect that maybe after the All-Star break or the second half of the season to be closer to 44% from the field, not 34%. Um, and he's not going to be someone who's banging in 85% from the free throw line. He's shooting 68%. Maybe that ticks over 70%. So it'll be a slight negative there, although he's not getting there at a huge amount. But what he will get is he will get more minutes. He will be get more efficient with the ball. He'll score a lot better. The assists will start to come. The usage will also start to tick up as well as they start to, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, who knows how long they're going to rely on him as a starting point guard and if he's going to be on this team, um, you know, come February. Uh, So I think that there's a lot of things that all point towards Scoot Henderson going a lot better this season. And with guards, point guards, number three, should have been number two overall pick, in my opinion. Uh, these talented players are not easily replaceable, and you can't you can't find what they provide on the waiver wire often. Now, will he be someone that, in the end of the season, you look back and you look back at his nine-category ranking and go, wow, what a season he had for fantasy? No, but when you break it down into useful stretches for category league, head-to-head leagues in, in fantasy playoffs, he can definitely be a player that turns the tables in your favor because of just the talent and the sheer volume of usage, assists opportunity, steal opportunity. Um, he can rebound solid for a guard as well. That is something that I'm very much interested in. And if my team is set up to handle that, like if I'm in a punt assist team, well, then I'm not really that interested in Scoot Henderson. If I'm putting assists, ignore this. It's not the type of player for you. But if you're in a, in a, in a team where you don't care too much about turnovers, you can either A, handle his poor uh, field goal percentage, like a team like my industry pickup team, where I'm punting free throw percentage. I've got Giannis, I've got Sabonis, I've got Clint Capella. I've got all these really big field goal percentage boosters and a player who's shooting 35% only drops me down from 54% to 51%. Well, fine, I'll I'll take him and he can do that and and it's it's all good. Or if you're in a situation where you are punting punting field goal percentage altogether and you're already sitting at 44% for the entire team, 
Well, then who cares? You're going from last to, to worse at last. You grab him, you get his points, you get his assists, you get his steals, you get his rebounds, um, and you don't really care about that. So in those situations, he is someone I think is super, super valuable. So again, you don't need to give up much, give up your worst two players. Again, if he's on your waiver wire, grab him immediately. I think he is worth stashing. Be patient with him. Uh, but I do think that there are signs recently that he is improving and that he is starting to turn the corner and becoming that player that we can really find use for when it comes to fantasy basketball playoffs and especially in a points league go ahead and add him because obviously you don't have to deal with his poor percentages lack of threes and and those kind of things the turnovers do hurt you but I do think that that does also improve throughout the season well, those are my five buy low fantasy basketball players. I will be going through five sell high players in tomorrow's podcast. So make sure you stay tuned to that, guys. If you are enjoying these ones, make sure you give this one a big thumbs up. Uh, thank you very much for putting up with my uh, sick voice and hopefully it didn't sound too bad for you guys. But until next time, uh, we've got some in-season tournament games to watch tomorrow. And I'll see you then. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.